Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. Welcome into Leather Brains, your host here, Slapdog, and we are at the Big 140, episode 140, today being October 23rd, end of week seven. What a wild time to be alive. We still have one game left, of course, for those that are watching live. It is Monday, so we still have the Monday night game, but no Alan today, just Scotty. Scotty, welcome aboard. Happy to have you here. Happy Monday. Happy to be here. And uh, before we get into our uh, MVP of the week, I just want to give a shout out to the MVP of uh, my life and of this podcast, uh, my wife, because today is our anniversary and she um, certainly internally is not happy about me being here recording a podcast, but she is uh, accepting of it, which I appreciate. So shout out to her. Did you have, are we going to do anything like special this weekend or anything? Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We uh, were playing a nice steak dinner at Applebee's. Oh, I do love Applebee's. Um, but uh, no, we uh, were planning on going out of town last weekend, but it was also my niece's birthday, so we stayed in town for that. So our anniversary plans have been destroyed into shambles, um, but we'll figure something out. We'll celebrate in the right way. Well, you prioritize, my friend, unlike Alan. Alan is on a Hawaiian vacation. Didn't invite us. Didn't think about the podcast. Shame on him. But you know what? You, on your day, your anniversary, showed up, and that's what matters. So I yeah. appreciate that, my friend. So I'm the MVP, turns you, out. Well, uh, we'll get to our MVPs. We have our studs and our MVP of the week, of course, for fantasy, and then we have our studs and duds, which we're going to discuss. Uh, after that, we have the game of the week, the Leather Brains game of the week. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, should Arthur Smith be in prison? Where did the Lions go? Uh, there's a lot of narratives this week with uh, both NFL and fantasy implications involved there. And then uh, we're going to play some Brain Busters. So we're going to, if anybody has any questions and you guys are watching live, go over to YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Do appreciate it. And then put your comment in there. And we'll answer it at the end of the show. And then we have Brain Buster, or excuse me, the waiver wire. So we're going to talk about that too, because it's important. We need to talk about it. So let's go ahead and kick it off with our MVP of the week. Yes. A man after my own heart brought, oh my gosh, I was just so excited to see this offense show up and show out. Uh, but we couldn't bring you the Leather Brains MVP of the week without talking about our sponsor, Prime Society. Leather Brains MVP of the week is brought to you by Prime Society luxury leather bags, backpacks, and accessories. So what you need to do is make sure you join athletes like Tyreek Hill and Clay Thompson by checking out primesociety.com and shopping their luxury bags, luggage, and accessories. Whether you're looking for the perfect high-quality gift that won't break the bank or you want to turn heads with the swagger of a pro athlete, Prime Society is the answer. Your fantasy MVP helped you and the Chiefs secure the bag in your league, so make sure you secure the bag with Prime Society. Use promo code LBZ20 to get 20% off today at primesociety.com. Again, LBZ20 to get 20% off today. And, of course, your Leather Brains Fantasy MVP of the Week, as you can read on the screen, is the man, Travis Kelsey. Very deserving. I mean, he put up, what, 35 and some change in PPR formats in the tight end position. That is certainly worthy of the MVP. I have a question for you, Scotty. Is our, you and Alan are both Chiefs fans. So my question being, with Travis Kelsey being a Chief, there's a, there's a statistic floating around in the Twitterverse right now about uh, his, his involvement, Travis Kelsey's involvement on this team 
when and when Taylor Swift is not there. And it seems that when Taylor Swift is there, he does better. Do you think there's any narrative to ride on with that? Well, he's just trying to show out for his girl. Maybe as as I've been saying about all of the uh, ancillary Chiefs headlines, like uh, you know Brittany Mahomes or Jackson Mahomes, everybody likes to throw hate their way. Um, and even though they do things that you know objectively might seem hateable, uh, I, they're my family. I support them. I yeah. you know I support Jackson Mahomes, oh, um, except for you know the sexually assaulty stuff. Um, but besides yeah. that, I support Way to him. Yourself there. And I support Brittany. And I support Taylor Swift. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. I always have been. I've been saying it, you know, over and over again on this podcast. I've staked my claim. I'm wow. a Swifty. I've been a Swifty for years. I actually think huh. I've maybe the biggest Taylor Swift fan. Um, and since she's been around, the Chiefs are undefeated. So uh, I would say, yeah, uh, undeniably, she is having a wonderful impact on the NFL as a whole, on the music industry, on you know inner city populations probably somehow she is just the best thing since sliced bread and uh i support her and i want her at every game well as a sponsor of wonder bread i couldn't agree more uh i would say that um i mean i don't i don't know look he's just getting poontang that's what's happening travis kelsey's out there he's getting laid so he's like you know what i gotta show out for my girl who's sitting up there in the stands right now it certainly looks like it's working, man. So congratulations to Travis Kelsey for the MVP of the week. Certainly deserving of it. Let's go to studs and duds. Scotty, your stud of the week, my friend. Um, Najee Harris, question oh mark? Oh, my God, why? Question mark? Najee? Um, why? This is sort of tongue-in-cheek because he had an all right game. Um, you know, he still didn't average more than four yards per carry, so he's still relatively inefficient. But he looked a little bit better. He did find the end zone. The biggest thing here, though, is that Najee Harris is doing just enough to not lose his starting spot, which I think all I speak for all fantasy managers when we say we would rather him not have the starting spot, but he's still chugging along. He's still doing just enough to make it difficult to replace him. Um, So, yeah, I guess tongue in cheek. He is my uh, stud of the week because we're never going to get rid of him. He did. He got a touchdown. He's still very inefficient, but he did get a touchdown this week. Uh, on the field 58% of the time. So Jalen Warren is certainly making that argument. He's still there. He's still looming, but um, a gross stud of the week. I mm. will never be a fan of Najee Harris. And it's not, I like him as a person, but as a football player, I think we just need to move on from What's him. your favorite thing about him as a person? His personality. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I know he's a huge fan of the pod, too. I, yeah. He, big shout out to Najee for supporting us. Uh, Miles Garrett, my stud of the week, Scotty. I don't know if you had the opportunity to watch this Browns game, but this should have just been the the Colts versus Miles Garrett. It wasn't the Browns. Miles Garrett was freaking everywhere. He looked incredible. He's he's my favorite defensive player. Like and now that JJ Watt is out of the league, Miles Garrett is there's no one else. Like Miles Garrett is I mean, yeah, you got like your TJ Watts or whatever, but the Browns defense is incredible. And Miles Garrett has looked insane. So he, I mean, this last week he, I think it was he had nine solo tackles. Um, he had a, a field goal block, two sacks, two forced fumbles, a SWAT. He did it all, and so uh, yeah. undeniable stud of the week, man. I, I, I was very impressed with his game, and I'm sure anybody that is going against Miles Garrett is and should be afraid. Yeah, yeah. I think people who are like just kind of casual fans of football always get that little bit of jealousy when a quarterback a star quarterbacks out there doing stuff but people who really know ball the people that they are jealous of are those like miles garrett people who just 
ruin game plans and can just do whatever they want. And they're huge and imposing and ripped. Miles Garrett encapsulates what it means to be an awesome football player. It's great to watch. He seems like a good dude too. Cherry on top. Uh, but yeah, Miles Garrett's awesome. Would you smooch him on the cheek? If you let me, I I would okay. not. Yeah, no, step that, and that's that's sphere. important. Yes, yeah, you have to ask permission. He's rarefied air, and also he could kill me with his bare hands. So that's, you know, that's I would definitely get consent. I always do, but especially <laughs> in that case. All right, well, I'll just flip it over to my dud. It's me. I'm the dud. Hello. Uh, I this is somewhat of a cop out, but realistically, I'm very disappointed in myself. In our league of record, I've managed to put up with a starting roster with two flex positions, twenty nine point two points in this league. <laughs> what? The bipocalypse hit hard, buddy. I mean, it was. I started what? Deshaun Watson, negative point eight points pulled from the game. Didn't have a quarterback. Um, Mark Andrews had twenty points for me. So for the rest of the team, has nine points uh, in total. Bipocalypse hit hard, man. Yeah, Brees Hall was on by, Derrick Henry's on by, Jamar Chase is on by. We still play with just a kicker, and he was on by. I mean, I was just <laughs> in shambles. So, um, not a good look for me. And well, uh, that's interesting because I in you know I'm in a lot of leagues this year, and it yeah. seems like the bipocalypse didn't really hit me that hard oh, this week. Dude. Which means which means that I'm going to have all my players on by when everyone else has all their players back. So it's going to hit me at some point. But this week, I you know all of this talk about the bipocalypse, whatever. I was pretty concerned about it. I, I was like, vigilant. I went in and looked, and I'm like, oh, I got like one or maybe two players on by in every one of my leagues. Like it I wasn't ben, that big of a deal. Ben, I got bent over. I got bent over. The other game in our, our dynasty league, though, you and I are keeping it competitive. So Am I still competitive? I kind of expected you to be pulled away by now. Uh, 142 for me, 103 for you, but you still have a quarterback play. Who is it? In that oh, league? no, you don't. You have Christian McCaffrey, who is better than a quarterback, so congratulations. He, well, maybe. I, I think <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is a tough one because I have him in a lot of leagues. I was real high on him during draft season. Um and this week, I just feel like, obviously, coming off this injury, they're kind of in a mismatch situation. I think, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but would anyone be surprised if the 49ers won this game by 40 points? I don't know that anyone would. So I'm worried that he is going to be limited in his usage, but hopefully not for the sake we'll of see. that matchup. We'll see. Who'd you bring for your dog, Chief? Oh, you know who I brought. You know. And it's the Detroit mother effing Lions. The dud of the week. They forgot how to play football for some reason they they showed up you know they've been they beat the chiefs at home they went into green bay which now doesn't look all that exciting but at the time they're like oh they're going into green bay they beat them at home obviously a big matchup for them we're like wow the detroit lions the real deal and then they just lay a freaking egg they did not look like they came to play at all dan campbell if you if you saw his um after halftime little interview deal uh, he just looked like he didn't look upset. He didn't look frustrated. He didn't look empowered. He just looked demoralized as a man. Like he just showed up and was like, fuck, we didn't show up for work today. And I don't know what to do now. And uh, I didn't see that. And I don't, that would be a really depressing thing, I think, to see. I don't know if I want to see it. Yeah. Because I have I mean, such a high, a high regard for him. Well, I, I was hoping he would come out and be like fired up. Like, well, this is unacceptable. We're going to come out and make some plays. But he was just very, like, if you have a positive view of Dan Campbell, you would have thought, oh, he's just cool and collected. But because I don't have a positive view of Dan Campbell and I expected him to be fired up, I was like, oh, this guy is a broken shell of a man. He doesn't even so know what to say. So there's some gray area and oh, certainly. maybe just a fine just interview. Yes. Yeah, certainly. Okay. I'll have to go look that up. 
Because I, yeah. uh, I have Dan Campbell in very high high regards. I, I think highly of him. So, um, In all seriousness, though, uh, Detroit's going to be fine. Uh, the, the NFL is very – it's very difficult to get a win each and every week. These are the highest caliber athletes on the planet that are showing up, regardless of if it's a good team or a bad team. They are very, very good athletes. They can make plays, and if you don't play well, you're going to get beat. And the Detroit Lions right now look like one of the most complete teams in football. They're going to be just fine. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm holding some information in because I, I do have some things I'd like to discuss in that game. But I certainly think they are well deserving of a dud from you this week. And I kind of figured that when we were d- writing up our notes and getting everything collected and together, and I saw that there was the Lions on there, and I thought, damn, I get it. Well done. Well played. It was it was well deserving. So let's let's move over to Leatherbrain's game of the week. This is a game that perhaps, and we had a lot of conversation about this before we recorded or are now recording this, of course, um, about what we wanted to do for the game of the week. And going into this week, we all circled this on our calendar. We said the Eagles versus the Dolphins. This is going to be the game of the week. It turns out there was a lot of other games that were also really great games and, and arguably better games in this game. But the implications for this game. Are, are important enough that we need to have a discussion about it. So it is the game of the week. Eagles, they won this game. That is my analysis. And how cool is that? That I can sit here and tell you, Scotty, that the Eagles won. There's nothing more to, to dissect. But really what I do want to talk about is the Dolphins here very quickly. because, I, And I don't know. And I think the, the, the thing that I struggle with is do we use the F word here? And mm. I don't mean frogs. I mean, but frauds. That's what I thought you meant was frauds. Yeah, thought yeah. we were talking about amphibians. Yeah, no, we're not. We're doing. We're not doing a podcast on amphibians, man. We're doing it on football. And mm. are the dolphins frauds? I, I I present you with this this information, and then I want I want your opinion. The Dolphins' wins this season include the Chargers, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers. Those are all pretty bad teams. Not good teams. The Dolphins' losses this year are the Bills and now the Eagles, which are very highly regarded teams. Top-tier, upper-echelon teams. So are the Dolphins fraudulent is my question to you. I think that they're in purgatory currently because, um, you know, they're certainly not a bad team. And one of the marks of of a team that can be very competitive at all levels in the NFL is the degree to which they're able to put down the teams they're supposed to beat. Right. If uh, I use the Nebraska Cornhusker analogy, right, when we watch our team and we see the red and white game, the spring game, right, and we say, wow, we got a lot of good athletes out here, like we look like we could do something, and then we start off the season with a couple wins, but you look a little bit closer and those wins are one-score wins, or like they, we made a lot of mistakes that kept the other team competitive. That's a sign that a team is not yet at the next level, and the Dolphins crossed that threshold, right? When they play teams that are worse than them, they definitively win. Um, but of course they haven't beaten a real competitive team yet. Uh, and even the bills, you know, with, with, as we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, or we'll touch on, um, you know, the bills are looking a little rough. And so we all considered that to be, oh, well, it was the bills, you know, it was a kind of a toss up, but now the bills don't look that good. And obviously they, they handled Miami just fine. Um, so I would say pending. Their fraud's pending. They have, I think they have the chiefs this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they have the chiefs week nine this week, they have the Patriots. Which ah, okay. I, I so, believe they should get a win with the Patriots. The Patriots are not a good team. But I I was going to ask you this. 
I know this is going to be difficult for you, but I, I, and being a Chiefs fan, can you please attempt to put your bias aside and just honestly answer this? And the Chiefs look great this week, but like, do you, is, is that an interesting game in which the Dolphins you think could win? Yeah, the, I mean, I, I'm still in the position that I think the Dolphins could win any game. It just depends on how efficient their offense is. Their defense is a problem. It is a real issue where teams seem to be able to to move the ball on them pretty easily. But if they're going to score 70 points, it doesn't matter because no other team can do that. Sure. Um, but if the Dolphins show up on offense and they're able to, uh, you know, they're able to move the ball, it's difficult for any team to win. So uh, as a Chiefs fan looking forward to that game, I am certainly nervous um, but with that said, the Chiefs defense has been, um, I don't want to say elite yet, but they're right there. They're right in the conversation of being an elite defensive unit. And if anyone, you know, if the Bills can shut down Miami, um, maybe. <laughs> so I am nervous yeah. about it, but I, I, I'm not down completely on the Dolphins yet. Okay, so we're not going to call them frauds. We're not going to throw the F word. We're not going to label that with them yet. I think if the Chiefs handle them definitively in Germany, um, then that label is uh, pretty definitive uh, because then they'll have played three teams that people consider to be contenders and they will have lost all of them. Uh, but if this game is even real competitive or it comes down to the wire, I think they have some hope. Okay. I think I tend to agree with you. I think it, at worst case scenario, I don't think they're fraudulent. And, and I think it, as the weeks progress, we're really going to figure this out. I definitely think they can still contend in that division. I do. It's a tough division. It's a very tough division. But they could even gun for a wild card spot. I'm not writing them off by any stretch of the means. This offense is too electric, and I think they just need to figure out their defense a little bit. I think that's kind of where they're at. So um, I'm not going to call them frauds either. I just I was curious to pick your brain because this was one that I, I did think that the Dolphins were going to win. And unfortunately for me, they didn't in the Eagles one. So congrats, mm. Eagles fans. Another game that was lost by one and won by another is the refs game of the week. That was very, uh, I was playing chess there, verbal chess. Um, they gave the Browns this victory, in my opinion. And and I know that it seems as if this is now somewhat of a recurring topic. The referee game of the week is perhaps what we should call this, but... The Colts were in this. The Colts were in this the entire time. The Browns, I mean, it was back and forth. It was insane. Of course, I touched on the Miles Garrett stat, and really he was a, a huge component in this victory for the Browns. But um, they lost their quarterback. They lost to Sean Watson very early in this game. And uh, now he's only played three, game, or, yeah, three games a season after leaving the game due to a concussion scare, and then he had some shoulder issues. So... Not a good look for Deshaun Watson. I know that there was high hopes that he was kind of kind of be this franchise quarterback that was going to come in and solve all their problems. And thus far, they really haven't gotten to use him as much as they wanted to. All that being said, this is an Amari Cooper conversation that I want to have because is is Amari Cooper nothing more than a flex consideration at this point with Deshaun Watson not on the field? It really seems like he might be. I mean, he was barely getting looked at. I mean. And, and I, I really do – we know Amari Cooper is capable of getting open. I haven't studied the game film, but I would assume that he was open, you know, his usual amount and just wasn't getting looks. So I think, you know, um, as long as Deshaun Watson is out, this has got to be a point of emphasis for the Browns. They have to get their weapons involved on offense, and Amari Cooper is one of their top-tier weapons. They need to make sure to get him involved. So it's something that they have to address. I think we'll have to see in a couple weeks if it's something that's fixed. If it's like a DJ Moore situation in Chicago where for the first couple weeks we're like, oh, God, DJ Moore like is not even getting – 
targets at all. Uh, and then they sort of figured it out and they realized, uh, okay, he can be a valuable offensive weapon. We just have to scheme for him. And I think that's exactly what they need to do with Amari Cooper over in Cleveland. Yeah, and the other thing to note here is um, the Browns, I think, going into this game were had the best rushing defense or one of the best rushing defenses, um, and the Colts said, F you. You know, they came in and they got it done with both Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, both very, very involved, both had 18 carries. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a touchdown so the usage is there I think you know especially without Anthony Richardson and I don't want to take anything away from Gardner Minshew because he he was good man he did very well but I think the Colts are not afraid to be a dynamic team and run the ball and run it effectively and they do so I just wanted to point that as well as I, I think that if there was any running back group that I would probably feel comfortable starting in a one-two tandem it would be Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor and and that's the question at hand you know can Zach Moss coexists with Jonathan Taylor. They saw an exact 50 50 split this last yeah. week. So I think that that's, I, I think you're fine. I think if you own Zach Moss, you can continue to start him. Is that, is that fair to say? Um, I do own Zach Moss, you know, obviously, uh, with all the JT stuff going on, a lot of people picked up Zach Moss. I picked him up in a couple leagues. I did start him. Uh, and I think I will continue to start him until his touches, uh, diminish and i yeah. do think that will happen eventually i think with the with the new contract that jt signed it's only a matter of time before they say hey we're paying this guy like a superstar we need to use him like a superstar and give him the vast majority of the carries um you know there, there's kind of two conflicting conversations there because that's one side the other side is we just invested so much money in this guy we don't want him to get hurt and so we need to use him responsibly but as you get closer to the end of the season and as games start to matter more and more i think jt is going to take over the backfield but until that happens i am totally fine starting moss and i will continue to do so okay well i um i, I just wanted to talk about it i i do feel bad because the colts could have won this game and and the refs it was just another you know, blatant bad call. And I'm tired of having these conversations. I know that you had said it's hard for teams to win in the NFL and the refs should stay in their lane a little bit more in certain circumstances and in other circumstances they weren't. But at the end of the day, being a ref is a difficult thing. I understand that. Um, just what I like to see a little bit more quote fairness on this one, which is yeah, well, the other side to that is you got to win the game in a way that the refs can't decide it you know the, the team when they go back into the locker room after a tough loss like this they can say oh woe is me or they can say we didn't make the plays necessary to make the refs irrelevant and they need to they need to do that fair enough sorry i was taking a drink of water okay um i want to give you a pat on the back bro uh we talked on the last episode you were 100 percent right washington did lose to the giants um you are the bad team whisperer, I think. Maybe you just have a lot of experience in that area. I don't, I don't want that title. <laughs> I, I don't want that. Yeah. Well, I, the thing that I took away watching this game is um, neither of these teams can protect their quarterbacks at all. And, True. you know, we talked about this a little bit when we went live uh, on, uh, what is it, uh, X spaces or whatever, um, yeah. which, by the way, if you're listening to this, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and join us for that because we're helping people set lineups right before kickoff on Sunday. So make sure you're joining in for that. But we talked a little bit about what the Giants are going to do. Obviously, they paid Daniel Jones all this money. Their team looks really, really bad. They don't you know, they're in a tough spot. And what I said, I believe to be true is, OK, you just paid this guy this much money. He proved last season that he can be usable. He can be viable. Uh, you just need to give him time. And he doesn't have any of that right now. Uh, the Giants need to address their offensive line. But Sam Howell's having the same problems. He had a 50% completion rate, and he was pressured 
all the time. Like he just, he had very, very few dropbacks where he didn't have a guy right in his face mask, which makes it difficult to trust guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Um, and Jahan Dotson's another one, you know, I was obviously very high on him in the preseason. Um, I thought he was going to come out and do really well. He's still getting the targets. He had one fewer target than scary Terry in this one. Uh, but then, of course, dropping a key pass right at the end of the game, which would have at least given him a first down, if not the go-ahead touchdown, that's not going to help him get any more looks. So, Jahan Dotson, still pending. I was going to ask you about this. You, so, you, you're you still in on Jahan Dotson? Well, I'm not starting him. That's would you sure. drop him? It depend- I think You that- drop him right now for Wandale Robinson, yes or no? Uh... Probably. I mean, he's getting more. Wandale over the last couple of weeks has looked really good. Plus, Nebraska alum. They always say, oh, Kentucky alum. Yeah, fuck that. He was in Nebraska first. Well, he uh, left. We claim him. Just throwing that out. I don't know if I want to claim anybody. If you want to leave our team, that's fine. But I don't know if you get to come back. No, I'm I don't know if that's him. how it works. Anyone who goes to the NFL that once wore a Nebraska uniform is a Nebraska alum, in my view. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I, John okay. Dotson is not someone you can start uh, at all. But I do think maybe it's just the optimist in me. You know, the talent is there. They just the passing attack generally is rough right now. He, you know, Howell doesn't have enough time to make a second or third look. So if he's always going to be looking at Scary Terry or always looking at his key, uh, you know, right off the snap, he's not going to have enough time to make decisions. And that's that's a real problem. I'm not arguing. So. No, I'm not arguing the timing. I'm just arguing the fact that we have it, it's not been there. Like I, I, I drop, drop Jahan Dotson. If you're in a dynasty league, maybe hold him. But like I'm, I'm totally fine dropping him because we can sit here and spin this narrative that it's not his fault, and and perhaps it's not. And we can also sit here and spin this narrative that it's not Sam Howell's fault, and perhaps it's not. But at the end of the day, he's still not getting it done, and that that that's the unfortunate reality that we're living in. Is he a bad wide receiver? Probably not. But I mean, he's currently wide receiver sixty one on the season. And right now he's just clogging your roster. The only argument that you can make is he's on the field. He's on the he field. Is. I mean, and, and he is on the field. And he's getting targets. You know, he is it, getting targets. He's just not catching any of them. Right. And, and that, that's a big problem. I mean, if you look at problem. his target share, I, I'm just going to read through this seven five four nine five one eight. So yeah. that's the last seven weeks. So he's getting these targets. He's just not catching them. Perhaps yeah. they're not catchable, which is probably a big component of that. But it's frustrating. I think I I don't want to drop him either, but I think if there's a there's a like Rashi Rice, I think is kind of right where I draw the line in the sand. Because Rashi Rice is not only not on the field as much, but he's not getting as many targets. And when you play fantasy football, that is something you have to be cognizant of is where's the target share? You know, and Sam Howell's throws it a shit ton. I was trying to pull that stat up here before when you were talking about that and I didn't get get enough time to do that, but he th- he's throwing the ball. It's got to be a top 5 for quarterbacks right now so i yeah i i don't know i there's just other people that are on the waiver wire that will get it done for you or have a higher probability of getting it done for you it just sucks because i i do like jahan dots and i know we were both kind of high on him so good to move on i've i've oh never mind yeah yeah we're good to move on i messed up okay no worries um the lions you spoke about them as your dud of the week rightfully so where did the lions go I should be a Dr. Seuss, like a, a Dr. Seuss assistant, I think. That was pretty good. Um, they lost the game 38-6 against the Ravens. So there there really wasn't – this is not 
a fun game for me to watch as a pseudo Lions fan this year. I was this was another game I was super excited for because the Lions have been touted as like one of those up and coming teams that have looked really really well. They they've done you know had some splash with beating the Chiefs and like they're they look decent. They look pretty good and then you put up a stinker, thirty eight to six against the Ravens. So. Um, if there's any bright spot in this murky, disgusting conversation, it's Jameer Gibbs got his first touchdown. Hell yeah, his first bro. career touchdown. So right on cue. Yeah, I wanted to congratulate you, Scotty. Um, I know you've been very angry at Dan Campbell for not letting him get a touchdown, for gatekeeping him, so to speak. He has been, but put him in, put him in the dungeon. He let him out of the dungeon. Didn't help much. They still lost the game. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and he had to because David Montgomery was out. But the other thing that I really want to talk about is um, Gus Edwards. Is he a viable play going forward for you? I mean, he's gotten double-digit touches every single week since week two. So when I think of the Ravens, I really don't think of any running backs that come to mind as far as fantasy football value. But the Gus bus, question mark? Yeah, I mean, I I talked about this right after J.K. Dobbins got injured. Is that Gus Edwards? Um, you know, despite you know Justice Hill being there and both of them seeing the field, um, Gus Edwards is the one to own, and it's just because he's more experienced. I think he's a little bit more versatile. I think he's a better goal line back. He's he's bigger. Um, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to win you any weeks, but I think that that having someone who's on the field given the current state of the running back market is not bad. I do have Gus Edwards in several leagues. I don't start him every week. It just depends on the matchup. It depends on bye weeks, all that stuff, but I he's he's valuable enough to not be sitting on your waiver wire, that's for sure. Yeah, I uh I mean he's he's running back 26 on the season. He's probably one of those guys who's like matchup dependent for me. And I think I that's kind of where I leave it at and I think that's where you left it as well. Um, the only other thing on this, the last thing with this Lions game is JMO, Jamison Williams. He did see an NFL high in six targets. Nothing to write home about, but pretty exciting. I was excited to see that, and I want to continue to see him hopefully uh, draw more of a target share in this offense and uh, get him more involved because I think that would be fun. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing to take away from this, um, just as a kind of a callback to the last episode that you and I did together, uh, we talked about the Ravens. We talked about this is a team that if they put it all together, they could be really, really good. And we hadn't seen it yet. We saw it this week. Lamar Jackson looked like MVP Lamar Jackson. Uh, as someone, you know, I know you have leveled your criticisms against him because as he's been in the NFL, uh, he's obviously been known as that rushing quarterback who is quick to pull the ball down and run and not keep his eyes downfield. Uh, this game, he looked incredible. I mean, he 21 was 21 for eye- 27, 357 and three that I was so impressed like the rushing aside like he was throwing the ball very well and that's that is what I have wanted to see out of him and in this entire season I've really said this like Lamar Jackson's really taken a turn mentally for me in that way where like I am seeing him that development that I really wanted to see where you can't run forever you can't like Matt Stafford is not scrambling Jared Goff is not scrambling that you get older it happens so what are you going to do to, while you still can rush, work on elevating another side of your game that you desperately need to? And it looks like so far, granted, the wide receivers are also a conversation, but I'm seeing it, and it's great. And the Ravens, they looked so good. I was I was very impressed with them this game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lions' defense is, is no slouch. I mean, they have done a very good job bottling up offenses, and it just seemed like the Ravens could do whatever they wanted uh, from, from the whistle. I mean, from, from kickoff, 
they were in complete control of this game. And, you know, you can say, okay, uh, the pass catcher, pass catchers weren't dropping balls this time, which has been a big problem uh, on the season for him. But Lamar Jackson just, I, I can't overstate how awesome he looked. And even, even if the stats didn't really support it, just on the eye test, you can watch him in the pocket. You can watch him get pressure, find the open spot in the, in the pocket, roll out, and we're just a year or two ago, he would have tucked the ball and put his head down and just tried to grind out some yards. He kept his eyes downfield and made huge plays. Uh, that was It was really, really exciting to see. I hope that the Ravens can keep up that level of play going forward. I think anybody does, especially if you got uh, fantasy football players on that team. Oh, yes, and we do have a lot of them. We do. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Tyson. I think it's – is it pronounced Bajent? I think it's Bajent. That sounds – First off, I don't know how it's pronounced. You're asking the wrong guy, but that sounds cool. Yeah, that I think it, really cool. I'm pretty sure it's Bajent. Um, you know, I'm not a big Division II football fan, so I didn't really know who he was. I want to say Beignet, which is not how it's spelled or how it sounds, but like I just think of like bread when I read that last name. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe Baguette. Baguette, perhaps. Mm. Anyway, so I'm going to say Bajent. Tyson Bajent, is he the new Brock Purdy, bro? Um, obviously we only have one game. He only threw for like 200 some yards. Uh, but, but I test wise, he looked really good. And I really do think this is, this is a problem that we always have as NFL fans is that you have a backup come in or someone who's new to the league, some rookie, whatever, and you expect them to just look terrible. Your expectations are just through the floor and you forget, oh yeah, this guy like made an NFL roster and is backing up a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, there's no way he's God awful. Like he, he, the expectations are so low that he, as long as he doesn't come out, even if he threw a couple interceptions, right? Even if he was a little bit careless with the ball, we say, well, he's a rookie. You know, the expectations are so low that he can pretty much only impress. Um, and he did. I mean, he had a 97.2 QBR, 72% completion rating. Like I said, he didn't have a ton of yards, but he came out and, and they looked good. And at times, you know, he looks, he looks right now better than Justin Fields looked in a couple of games. So I, yeah, you know, for me, here's the thing. Let's remember who the Bears were playing. I think that is probably the first thing that needs to be mentioned is the Bears were playing the Raiders, who, Yeti, I love you, brother, but the Raiders are dog shit. They're not a good team. And for the Bears to come out and do this, like I I expected the Raiders to win this because they were playing with a, the the Bears were playing with a rookie quarterback, but um am I surprised that the Bears won this? Not particularly. Uh, you know, um, the, the other thing worth noting is not only was he playing a bad defense, but I, I think what a lot of people don't fully take into account is film. And I think that's really a really important component of the NFL that a lot of us as, as peons that just enjoy the sport don't fully understand. There's no film on this guy. There's college film, right? And I guess you could maybe use that, but you really can't use that as, as anything when you get to the pro level because you're playing against a bunch of college kids, right? So you get to the pro level and you – you have no film on this kid. You have no idea what he's capable of aside from those clips from college. So you don't know how they're, how this offense is going to scheme for using this guy. And I think that is also a component of that is you, you can't take Beignet or Baguette. You can't take him and throw him in this offense and expect him to, to run like Justin Fields does, right? So you have to cater from an offensive offensive perspective. You have to cater to what your quarterback is good at. 
So you can't expect this guy to run zone reads for 60 yards because that's not in his skill set. That's not in his tool bag. So what can we do with, with Baguette here to be able to move the ball down the field? So when defenses don't have any film on someone, I think it makes it that much harder for them to try and make in-game adjustments. I impossible, no, but harder, yes. And so from a defensive perspective, what do you do all week? You sit there and you look at college film on this guy and you're like, well, they this is how they usually run their offense, but Justin Fields is prototypically going to scramble and we don't have that with this kid this week. So I think there's a lot more narrative that needs to be discussed with that than is he the new Brock Purdy. I think at the end of the day, the situation at hand is this. The Bears are going to move on from Justin Fields. They're going to draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft because right now they have two first round draft picks that are still projected top five. So... I think they're going to draft a quarterback, perhaps franchise tag Justin Fields and then and then pawn him off to the highest buyer and move on with the entire situation. I don't think this kid is the future. I think if you gave this kid two more starts, I think it, most teams would probably figure out how they're going to they're going to use their their tool. Of we said the, the same thing end. about Brock Purdy, bro. We did. And look at him still cruising. We did. But no, but I, I, I agree with you 100 okay. percent. And also. I, I wanted to try this little thought experiment. Um, given the Bears' situation, um, say Justin Fields is out for another three weeks and Baguette shows up for three weeks and throws for 300 yards apiece, no interceptions, a couple touchdowns a game, looks like the next coming of Christ, the, the Bears win those three games, and then Justin Fields comes back and first of all, how do you deal with that situation? You just keep riding him if he's doing really well, I assume. But obviously that's going to be a conversation. And then the end of the season comes around, and what do you do? Is there any world in which the Bears do not pick up a quarterback? It, it seems to me that literally no matter what, they're going to pick up a quarterback. I think at this point, I look, if I was going to sit here and tell you I thought the Bears organization was smart and they'd make the right decision – then I think we'd all be laughing because that's just not the case. Is there a world in which they don't pick up a quarterback? Sure. Is it the right move for them? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, and so like, could anything could happen, right? But I think what is in the best interest of the Bears is probably you got one of two options. You either fire your coaching staff and bring in a coaching staff that can property, properly utilize Justin Fields and his abilities, or you fire Justin Fields. And I, I think, think I think you got to do both. I think you fire everybody. Sure, blow the whole stadium up. Get out of yeah. Chicago. Go yeah, do Chicago go somewhere else. I it's terrible, windy city. Uh, I, like I just I don't think that it's it's in their best interest. And I think that we have seen a couple different coaches now come in and try the Justin Fields experiment. And I think and I I've, he's fun to watch. Don't get me wrong when he's running, but. I just don't think he's it for quarterback, and and I think most Bears fans are probably, uh, unfortunately, coming to terms with that right now. Yeah, I think Bears fans. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think every Bears fan I know is like, let's let's move on. Um, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if, under the right circumstances, Justin Fields could be a very successful NFL quarterback. Um, the problem is, is that he clearly has a development issue where he is not developed in the passing game like he needs to have developed in order to be successful right now and I think 
a lot of that blame can be placed on this current coaching staff. So if I'm a GM in Chicago, I'm firing everybody. I'm getting rid of Justin Fields. I'm getting rid of this coaching staff. We're starting from scratch. Uh, and you can do so with some pretty solid draft picks. So that's a sure, but decent situation to be they in. They did that with with Matt Nagy. You know, like Matt Nagy already was in here, and Matt Nagy was already coaching Justin Fields. They got rid of him. You bring in another Matt. I think there's a there's certainly a trend there with the name Matt. Uh, should I then, should I apply? <laughs> I think you should. Uh, and then you bring Matt Eberflus in, and you're seeing the same results. And perhaps it is, you know, two strikes, and you give another third strike. But I just, I realistically, I don't think that that's going to be the case with the Bears organization. I agree with you. I think under the right coaching, Justin Fields could be decent, but he hasn't had that right coaching, and it's really unfortunate because, like I said, I do, I, I'm rooting for the kid, but. I just I think that unfortunately he's uh, he's had one too many chances and and the the tower is starting to crumble. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and before we move on from this game, we do have to talk about Foreman. Uh, obviously, went off three to, three touchdowns, yeah. and I just wanted to take another opportunity to plug our uh, uh, X spaces because we talked about Foreman. If uh, if if you tuned in and you were trying to decide who to start and you got Foreman sitting there, we told you to start him. Now I didn't expect this type of performance, but in every league that I'm in that I have Foreman, he was in my starting lineup except the one I'm playing you, which I yeah, forgot to move that, him in there. That was paramount for my success. He had three <sighs> touchdowns, so yeah, I was devastating. I know. I'm sorry, man. That is that really does suck. But uh, yeah. Uh, Sunday's an hour before the game. Scotty and I typically are live over on Twitter spaces where we are answering your start and sit questions to try and help you guys out. So um, come join us. It's a good time. My question, Scotty, my next question, because I've been asking a lot today, but should Arthur Smith go to prison? Maybe. I, I think yes. The Falcons are now leading the NFC South in Bajan Robinson. The mustard man himself registered one touch in Sunday's game. It is rumored, rumored, that he was facing an illness. But why on God's green earth would Arthur Smith not state this before the game started? I'm not buying this. And in fact, I don't think the NFL is either. I don't. Why would he state it before the game? If it was something that happened quickly, why would you tip your hat to the defense if you're not required to put, you know, the NFL requires well, you to, I know, but if it's, if it's something that happens, you know, right before the game, which does happen, you know, I I've read that, uh, that they think it was a migraine, um, that, that was causing the problem, which it still doesn't make any sense. Cause you know, if he's sick and, and can't play, then don't put him on the field. And he still saw like seven snaps. So it was like, why I don't understand the point of I that, don't, uh, but I don't necessarily blame him for not tipping his hands when he didn't have to, given the timeline. Assuming that there was nothing nefarious going on, um, you know, I I wouldn't if if my star running back came up to me and said, "Coach, I can't play today," or I'm you know I I'm not feeling good. I I don't think I'll be able to perform. Uh, I'm not going to tell the other team that unless I absolutely have to. Well, they do. In fact, the NFL is now asking for an injury report compliance for questions to the Atlanta Falcons about when they knew the rookie running back, Bajon Robinson, was not physically well and why it was not reported as per league policy. It is standard practice for the league to question teams about a player if he is not included on the weekly injury report and then is either unavailable for the game or plays far less than what typically occurs. Violations have been met with fines. So the team could get fined for this potentially. And honestly, 
if they knew about it, I think Arthur Smith should be fine. And I think he should go to prison because I think that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> for fantasy, Why would you... it is very annoying. No, and that's what we're here for. But also, and like this goes beyond fantasy for me, like truthfully. Like if if you are the Falcons, you are vying for your fir- the first seed in that division. Like that is what you're trying to do. And they, they got it with this win. But you're not going to start your eighth overall pick in a very pivotal game to take the NFC South. Yeah, that, that's I why. Think, that's why I don't think it was a choice. I think it was an a legitimate was. illness. I think Bijan slept with Arthur Smith's mom. Oh, that's possible too. That's I think ri- that's these running backs are starting to sleep with all of the head coaches' mothers, and that's what we're seeing here mm. is the retaliation from the head coaches. Mm. Interesting. That's what I, I mean. There's there's absolutely no other reason. He fucked a bunch of fantasy players over. Yeah, and honestly, I don't. I own one share of Bajan in all the leagues I'm in. So like, I and honestly, I think I was going against him in some leagues. But like, I want to win fair and square. And I think that to not even know that he wasn't going to play, you also screwed over Vegas lines. And Vegas, you don't want to piss Vegas off. Yeah, that's that's what the NFL really cares about. How much money is it's made money, on, baby. on it's betting? Money, baby. Yeah, that's what, um, that's why they have. I don't it. know. I think this is a whole big nothing. I think it's probably likely that he just wasn't feeling good. A migraine makes sense to me as someone who gets migraines every now and again. Sometimes they just happen all of a sudden and they're completely dilapidating and there's just nothing you can do about it. I I you know if he gets fined, he gets fined. But I'm guessing that he found out maybe a little bit earlier and didn't disclose it. I I don't think there's anything real crazy going on here. It sucks for fantasy, but you know this is gambling. Sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. I think Arthur Smith is a piece of shit and you need to go to prison. And that's where I'm at with this entire situation. Respect, I guess. Um, Speaking of respect, or maybe lack thereof, should we be respecting Josh Jacobs? Because here's the thing. I don't think anyone... Obviously, the season for Josh Jacobs has been disappointing in comparison to last season. I don't think anyone can look at Josh Jacobs and say he just forgot how to play football. Obviously, the offensive line in Las Vegas is causing them lots of issues. Uh, you know, Jacobs is being held to very inefficient numbers. He looks nothing like himself. And I think the offensive line is the big reason why. But I just want to take a moment to say, what in the absolute F are you doing in Vegas when you are playing the fifth worst run defending team? And you give Josh Jacobs 11 carries. You have the defending rushing champion on your team, and you give him 11 carries against the fifth worst run defending team in the league. How does that happen? He had 11 carries and one target. How does that happen? I don't. I. I don't know. I. I mean, the only argument I have is game script. Even like, game truthfully, script, like they, no, they, and they I, were down. I they were down two touchdowns at halftime. So it's not like there was this huge surge of points that's that were scored a bunch. You know, they were down two scores at halftime. They scored one touchdown per quarter. So that's no excuse to not use one of, if not the best, weapons that you have on your team with a backup I mean, quarterback. Two backup quarterbacks. You have Aiden <laughs> O'Connell and Brian Hoyer, who both saw time in that game. Like I, I don't. Fuck, man. I don't know. The Raiders no are excuse. so bad. The Raiders it, are just bad. This is and terrible coaching. <laughs> Like there's just oh. there's no excuse for it. Oh yeah, it's atrocious. And if you were a rate like Yeti, I God, I wish he was here right now. And I'm gonna we're gonna talk about this on Wednesday just a little bit. 
What a disgrace. What an absolute fucking clown show of a coaching job. And trust me, buddy, I know because I'm a Cardinals fan. But he knows too. He complains about it more than no. Anybody. He does. He does. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to bury Eddie here. But like, I, I, and then the Raiders come out and say we're not interested in trading Devontae Adams away. Why? Why are you not interested in trading one of the only assets? I mean, Josh Jacobs is an asset, but like one of your highest assets that you still currently have. You just want to sit there and gatekeep the rest of his career while he sits and plays with fucking Aiden O'Connell? Like, you don't have a quarterback. Jim Garoppolo's fucking trash. You're a terrible coach. And then you're not going to get the still arguably probably a top five wide receiver in the NFL. You're just going to let Jacoby Meyer be the wide receiver one for this team? It's a disgrace. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He should be in prison. Oh, 100%. And from a fantasy perspective, all of this is very, very annoying. But I will oh, yeah. say, as a Chiefs fan, I love watching the Raiders <laughs> just burn. I, they are they are they the are. team that I despise the most in the NFL, and I love them living in a dumpster. That is I, best case scenario. I'm not a Raiders fan. Probably will never root for the Raiders. Sorry, Eddie. But I will say this. I sympathize with you. I think Josh McDaniels is a fucking clown. He's a piece of shit, and he should be in prison. Period. Yeah, I agree. Puka Nukua went nuclear. I, th- I, what we've done, Scotty, and what I—it's mostly me. I'll admittedly, um, I've taken Puka's name and just constantly shifted it to the point where it doesn't even make sense. It used to be Puka Nuka, and uh, I just—I'm just coming up with new ways to to spell his name. So he went. He did go nuclear. It's a fun name. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot you can do with it, and mm. there's a lot that he's doing on the field, my friend. He, uh, I'm incredibly surprised the Steelers won this game, if I'm being completely honest. I had the Rams winning this game by quite a bit. Um, but the, the, the fun and interesting thing here is Puka led the wide receiver room, and he is going nowhere. He is staying very firmly planted in your starting lineups for fantasy football. There was some comments, some concerns uh, in the weeks where Cooper Cup came back. His first week, I think Puka had six points. You don't got to panic anymore. You don't got to panic anymore because he's still here. He went eight for 12 for 154 yards. And Scotty, I don't know if you saw it, but at one point in time, he was in double coverage when the ball was flying to him. He caught it, got cracked right when he caught the ball, held on to the ball, managed to stay in bounds for like a 30-yard catch. It was it was insane, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm so impressed with this kid, and I'm like, damn. I have to ask you this, Scotty. Is Puka the real deal for you? I mean, Cooper Cup went two for seven for 29 yards and a touchdown, so he still had some relevance for fantasy, but just fantasy aside, like, is, is Puka, is he here to stay, and is he, I mean, he's, currently a top 10 wide receiver is there a case for him to finish the year as a top 10 yeah uh there's definitely a case for it because this rams team loves to throw the ball and uh you know it turns out they love to throw it to puka nuka which is good for him but honestly this is another one where you can put all the stats aside and just spend a couple hours watching the rams play and just focusing in on this kid watching how he runs his routes he, he's very similar honestly he's very similar in a lot of ways to cooper cup but what he really reminds me of is travis kelsey the way that he's able to find holes in the zone he, it's like he doesn't have a rookie's mindset it's like he's been playing in the league for 10 years he has a perfect understanding of defenses which is why he's getting open so often it's not just his athleticism that makes him talented every rookie wide receiver in the 
league has athleticism. He's got athleticism and the know-how. And based on what we've seen so far through seven weeks, there is no reason to believe that this guy's going anywhere anytime soon. I think he's going to be a big factor for the foreseeable future, barring you know him being put in a worse situation. Yeah, and the worst situation being what happens with Matthew Stafford long term, because Matthew Stafford's not getting any, any younger, of course. But the other interesting thing to note is this, like, how many other rookie wide receivers? I, I agree with you, and I think I love that comparison of him and Kelsey, because every time that you look on the field, he's open. Mm-hmm. Or he's within, like, you know, catchable ball distance, and it's, he's not contesting that often. Do you think some of that's a quarterback? I mean, do you, like, truthfully, like, you've seen, we've seen Cooper Cup just explode for fantasy and then Cooper Cup got hurt and he was gone and then you have Puka explode for fantasy now they're both back and they're working in tandem can we give Matt Stafford some credit here for coaching him up and teaching him the way he wants him to run these routes and get open and kind of taking this this young man under his wing so to speak and and teach him the game at a higher level like is, is that fair There's no doubt about it. And Matt Stafford, you know, we even talked about his relationship with Cooper Cup, where he is making sure they're spending time together, they eat breakfast together or whatever. Like, uh, so so much of being a good quarterback is being able to develop that seamless relationship with your pass catchers. We, again, the Travis Kelsey comparison, we see that with Mahomes and Kelsey. Um, it's, it's, It's so important that you guys can look at the same defense and come to the same conclusion. You have to be able to read the same thing and know what the other person is going to be looking for. And so far, Puka has done that. And I think Matthew Stafford obviously plays a big role in that, developing that relationship. But you also can't take it away from Puka that we see how difficult this league is. It's difficult to play football. We have people like, you know, Zay Flowers, obviously a ridiculously explosive wide receiver um, playing on a very good team and he hasn't seen this level of success so there is something special about Puka himself that I think is going to be the reason why he's a long-lasting weapon in the NFL yeah I think it was I it was 44 percent snap or 44 44 percent target share this last week like mm-hmm. I mean it's just it's astounding so well and as a defense it's difficult it's the same thing that defenses have been dealing with with the Dolphins that they're just, you look at Jalen Waddle, you look at Tyree Kill, and you say, oh God, like how is it possible that we can keep these bo- both of these guys under wraps? And Puka has forced that conversation in LA where you look at <laughs> Cooper Cup and you've seen everything that he can do, but then you say, oh no, we've got Puka Nakua over there on the other side that is also tearing up defenses. And what that does is it either causes both of them to have decent games or it forces the defense to choose one of them to lock down, which is what we saw this week. They said, we're going to focus on Cooper Cup and try to cover Puka as best we can, and we saw that he's able to dice through him. And that's the same thing that the Dolphins do. Having these two elite wide receivers who are on the same page as their quarterback makes all the difference in the world. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's a weapon. There was also two running backs for the Rams this week that were uh, both – decently effective Darrell Henderson and Royce Freeman um I would prefer Darrell Henderson at this point I think he's the back to own for for um the waiver wire this week and he'll be a part of the waiver wire segment so don't worry but he went 18 for 61 and one um I I think Darrell Henderson he's familiar with this offense he uh he was with the Rams previously for anybody that did not know so he was a running back for them and was utilized in the offense before his departure so they went and signed him. I'm not surprised that in week one, with him already back on this team, he's getting 18 touches because this offense has not changed drastically. It was probably a very seamless transition for him. And with Kyron Williams being out, I think Darrell Henderson is the RB1 for this team. And I think there's there's room for both parties involved, and we'll, we'll touch on that shortly. Yeah, so 
you know, we spent a lot of time this episode hating on coaches, and there's one more coach that we need to give some hate to, and that's Brandon Staley. Mm. Um, Brandon Staley should be homeless, which seems harsh now that, you know, it's the day later, and I wrote that last night when I was uh, furious with him. But, uh, you know, he should be homeless, as in he should be fired, because he has done nothing for this organization. I think about since he's taken over, their offense is basically exactly the same. Like th- this, look, this offense looks the same as Philip Rivers. Like it, it just looks the same. Where they're above average, they have the opportunity to make plays, but they just never take that extra step. The one mark that Brandon Staley has made is, as a supposedly defensive-minded coach, he's ruined their defense. They, they cannot defense defend anything. Like they are, they are just such a terrible defense. Oh so there is just no reason. I don't think Brandon Staley makes it the season. I think he's going to be removed. And I hope they bring someone in who can use these weapons before everyone is gone, uh, you know, or too old to play football on this team. <laughs> because obviously Justin Herbert's relatively young, but you look at the other weapons on this team and they're all pushing it. So they need their window is closing quickly. So they need to make something happen soon. And Brandon Staley seems to be doing nothing but but stopping them from doing that. No active quarterback has more losses than Justin Herbert since he was drafted in 2020. He's got 28 losses. I don't know if you can blame Justin Herbert. I don't. And we've we've had conversation about Justin Herbert in weeks past and kind of this this entire Chargers organization. I think Brandon Staley holds a lot of this blame. I really truly do because if you look at Justin Herbert, is he is he the flashiest, sexiest thing? No. But he's certainly capable. He's a lot better than other quarterbacks out there. I think that's a very easy thing to say. So, what's the issue? It's got to be coaching. I mean, that's where I'm at, and I agree with you. I think Brandon Staley should be homeless. Yeah, I I think that there's blame to go around on both sides because at some at some point, if you claim to be an an elite quarterback, or I guess if if the NFL fan base perceives you as an elite quarterback, you're going to have to prove it at some point in time. And he's been in countless situations where they're losing one score games, where he's got the ball with a couple minutes left and a couple timeouts and an opportunity to get the go ahead score. And he just hasn't been able to do it. So I think there is some blame that needs to go on Justin Herbert. I think we, we might need to adjust our expectations of him and stop putting him in that elite category and start putting him more in the, you know, Kirk cousins, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff category, where he's someone that can definitely find a lot of success, but you can't necessarily trust him to put the team on his back each and every week. Like you can with you know Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, that sort of that sort of level, um, but ultimately, the the just as a, gen, a general rule in football, when you're when you're watching football and you have a team, again I can relate back to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. You have a team who is losing one score games. That's a coaching problem. If you're getting blown out, that's a player problem. That's a personnel problem. If you're losing one score games consistently, that's a coaching problem. Close games. Rely well, and on, a lot on of them the are are one score, correct or less, right? And so, that's that's I mean, what I mean. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is that uh, Brandon Staley does hold a lot of the blame for this because he's making silly decisions. You know, a lot of it is whether to kick field goals, whether to go for it on fourth down, that sort of stuff. You just can't trust him to make any of those right decisions, and he's proven that over the course of the last few seasons. So I think he holds a ton of blame, and like I said, I don't think he's going to make it through the season. Uh, rightly so. I don't think he should. I think uh, they need a change of guard there, and I don't think Brandon Staley is the future. I think he was on the hot seat at the end of last season, and instead of him taking the fall, he went and got a new offensive coordinator and thought that it would fix all those issues, and it didn't. 
I, it didn't, and it's it's unfortunate. So I agree with you. I think Brandon Staley should be homeless. I was just looking at this really quickly. Did you know that both Russell Wilson and Sam Howell are currently top 10 quarterbacks for fantasy right now? Really? Fucking nuts. That is nuts. That's rough. Russell Wilson is eight. Sam Howell's nine. <laughs> That's, That's disgusting. That's so freaking gross. That is crazy. Um, just thought I'd point that out there. Cause That's I, just another another data point to support Jahan Dotson. He's throwing the ball a lot. Well, well, He's throwing the ball a lot. He is throwing the ball a lot. <laughs> it's just there's no catches to be had. So yeah. did you uh, want to talk about the Chiefs very quickly, or you want to move over to the Rainbusters? Um, yeah, I mean, we could just give him some love real quick, I guess. Uh, this is the first time this season that the Chiefs offense looked like the Chiefs from last year, uh, which is good. So I guess the question is, you know, Travis Kelsey's had two pretty solid games where he put up over 100 uh, yards in the first half over the last two weeks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, this is by far his best game of uh, of this season. The question is, are the Chiefs figuring it out? Or is this just the effect of them playing the Chargers defense, which, as we just discussed, is pitiful? I think it's probably got to be both. I mean, they're 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 warming up. Um, there is still concern for me. I'm not going to lie to you. And you know, as not somebody who is a Chiefs fan, but just a fan of the game, I watch the Chiefs, and I they did play a complete game, but it also was against a lackluster defense. So it, that I don't know. I think they're going to play the Broncos next week. I think that should be. I think it's going to be more interesting than most people realize because divisional games typically are. Yeah, and the Broncos always are too with the Chiefs. Yeah. I, the, the Chiefs always win, but it's always closer than anyone would like. It's it's really weeks 9 and 11. They have a bye on week 10, but 9 and 11, you play Dolphins and then you play the Eagles. Prove it to me. That's This is a big time for the Chiefs right now where like, I think a lot of a lot of things will get shown, whether that's good or bad. I think that it's either going to show that perhaps um, you guys are lackluster in some places, and I th- I think that that's a, a very true statement. Regardless, I think your wide receiver room is not great. I think getting Miko Hardman back was probably a wise decision because the Jets weren't using him, and you can get a wide receiver that Mahomes knows and, and trusts. So smart for them. I like that move. Uh, but I like I said, I you prove it to me. Weeks nine, uh, really eleven is the one. Like the the Chiefs have some easy winnable games and the chiefs have some scary difficult games and we're kind of getting to that scary difficult zone that's coming up that's where i really want to see are the chiefs in full form or mm. did they just play the chargers defense yeah i honestly obviously the eagles are um uh, you know a great team but i am more focused on the dolphins i think the dolphins game is going to tell us a lot uh, because we need to see how good this defense actually is, first of all. If they're able to bottle up the Dolphins like like the Bills did, um, and uh, who do they play this week? I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. The Bills? Uh, no, the Dolphins. Oh, they play... Um, Why am I drawing a blank right now? We just talked the about Patriots. it. The Patriots. We just talked yeah. about it, yeah. Um, either way, if, if they're able to bottle them up, that's going to be a great sign for the defense. And then if Patrick Mahomes is able to string a couple games together where he's over 300 yards passing and they're distributing the ball well and getting Travis Kelsey involved, those, those things need to, we need to see consistency there before I feel real comfortable with it. Last season, there was no doubt that Patrick Mahomes, regardless of who his pass catchers were, he was going to make it happen. And through the first six weeks of this season, I did not have faith in that this week. Gave me a little bit of faith, but we need to see it continue. Agreed. All right, let's get over to the Brain Busters. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Oh, my 
First question. We only got two today, Scotty, so we'll uh, we'll make this quick. Oh. Bronson Howe says, should I trade JT and Waddle for Justin Jefferson? This is a redraft league. The answer is no. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, unless your team is just unbelievably stacked to where you think Justin Jefferson... No, just, there's not. There's di- no argument. There's it's no. It's difficult argument. to imagine a team that is so good you can get rid of JT and Waddle no. and not worry team? about Justin Jefferson being gone for the next several weeks. No. Yeah, you I don't just do don't that. see that being a good idea. Yeah, no, don't do that, please. Uh, Squishy Ducky says, "Wonder Bread or Wonder Woman?" My question to you: Why not both? Mm. That's enough said. You answered enough it beautifully. Said. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, waiver wires. We don't have any more questions. Thank you for the questions, both Squishy Ducky and Bronson Helm. That was very kind of you. Uh, the waiver wire, Scotty, we're going to keep this quick, but there's a couple people that I wanted to talk about very quickly. Darrell Henderson, of course, is one of those people running back for the Rams. He was on a 57% snap count. He went 18 for 61 and 1. He is the guy I want with Kyron Williams being gone. He is only 36% rostered. I expect people to be paying quite a bit for him. In, in fab formats. And I look, I don't hate, I, I mean, you spend in 40% fab at this point of whatever you got left. The running back market is so bad. Um, I wouldn't blame you. I, this is going to depend entirely on how you lucked out with running backs. Um, sure. You know, if you're someone that, you know, saw one of these running backs that got injured or, or even went zero RB strategy and got some good wide receivers, maybe you picked up Justin Jefferson. Now he's out, right? There are a lot of situations where it would be justified to spend a decent amount for a guy who's going to see 60% of the snaps on an offense that gets in scoring position quite a bit. Um, so I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, and the other, you know, the handcuff to this or the other the other side of the coin, rather, is Royce Freeman, who, honest to God, I didn't even know was still in the NFL until this week. He uh, he was on a 43% snap count. He went 12 for 66 and zero, and he's 26% rostered. So perhaps, and I don't know this in totality, but Sean McVay prototypically likes to use one running back for everything. We've been saying this for a long time now. Then Kyron Williams comes along, and he takes it away from Cam Akers, and he's the guy. Is there a world in which do you think both these guys could be usable for the next, what, two weeks before Kyron Williams gets back? Um, Yeah, I I do think so. And the thing that makes me think that, because obviously, you know, looking at Sean McVay's career, he does like that one running back type of offense. But Darrell Henderson was also mixed and match with Cam Akers uh, the whole time they were there together. So he's already been willing to put Darren or uh, Darrell Henderson on the bench for another running back. Um, so it makes it tough. I mean, just the, the, the running back usage out of this team for the last two years has made it very difficult to be confident in anyone, uh, Kyron Williams aside. So I agree with you though. I think Darrell Henderson is the number one guy, but I wouldn't be afraid to pick up Royce Freeman either if you're hurting at running back because seeing 43% of the snaps, that leads you to believe that he's going to get some usability, hopefully double-digit touches every week, uh, even if he is the you know sort of RB2 in the system. Yeah, I'd be picking him up. Another guy, Scotty, what if I told you there was statistically a wide receiver two just sitting on the waiver wire? that you could drop Jahan Dotson for, and you go get a guy who is wide receiver 24 on the season. Would you do it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd do it. Okay. I think most people, when I say that, they get real interested. 
I'm going to tell you his name, and I wonder if you're still interested. His name's Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver for the the Patriots. Uh, gross. Yeah, gross. I know. I don't like it either, but statistically, he is the wide receiver 24 on the season, and I would be picking him up if you could. I mean, he's had back-to-back double-digit weeks, which is nice. He's playing Buffalo and the Raiders, so that's kind of you're on both sides of the spectrum for defensive talent, talent there. Um but really what I want to, like, the reason this is so enticing, he has a beautiful end-of-season schedule. And that's where we really need to start focusing for fantasy football. We need to start looking, and I think Yeti and I are probably going to be talking about this on Wednesday's episode. So for anybody that is interested, I think we're going to kind of be talking about those trade candidates that you should be targeting that have a good end-of-season schedule. Now that we're halfway through the season, we're over halfway through the season for fantasy, we need to kind of start thinking about let's not only make it to the playoffs, but let's win it all. And with the trade deadlines that are approaching for everyone, we need to be cognizant of who can we target that may be killing it for us now, but we can sell at pennies on the dollar um, or sell for dollars and we get some pennies and get a couple of those pennies and they turn out to be golden dollars, baby. That was a terrible analogy, but you get what I mean. <laughs> I was um, give away with words. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so Kendrick Bourne, he is 39% rostered. I would be putting in a waiver claim for him right now because the end-of-season schedule is nice. He's statistically a wide receiver, too. For all you Jahan Dotson owners out there, I was one of them. Let him go. Go get Kendrick Bourne. Last guy I got for you is Joshua Downs. He's wide receiver, two for the Colts. Downs is wide receiver, 25 on the season, so he's right out of wide receiver two conversation, but uh, great bye week fill-in, and, and honestly, he has put up great numbers these past three weeks. He's put up 15, 13, and 23 fantasy points, respectively. He has had a 21.7% target share these last three weeks. Certainly worth a roster spot, in my opinion, and uh, I, th- I think I would definitely be happy to own him as well. He is currently only 52% rostered, so there's some guys out there. They, they don't have the, the sexiest name, they might not be on the sexiest team. They might not be making insane one-handed catches, but I'm going to tell you what, Scotty, we're here to play and win fantasy football, and those are some guys that I think are worth rostering. Yeah, and I just for the record, I would take Josh Downs over Kendrick Bourne. Um, Josh Downs looks good, man. Like he he he, lo- he looks pretty good. He's passing the eye test for me for sure. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being one of the number one or two waiver wire targets, just given his. On field, like again, statistics aside, if you watch this game, you thought, "Oh God, this guy's this guy's about to be very involved in this offense." Um, so yeah, I, I I would take Josh Downs over, but if you're looking for somebody, especially in the way of bye weeks, uh, either one of those guys would be good for me. I would also go get Gardner Minshew if you have, and he's 13% rostered um, since he has started for fantasy, which was he's kind of been back and forth because Anthony Richardson has been back and forth. So I guess we'll just use these last two weeks because that's when he's gotten full full starts. He's quarterback three or four on the season. So um, he's 13% rostered. I think Minshew Mania is here to stay. Got Anthony a couple Richardson. rushing touchdowns too. He looks Dude, good. He did. He he's did. got he flowing locks. He's awesome. He's my new favorite quarterback now that Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone. Yeah, he is pretty kick-ass. It's difficult he's to awesome. not like him. Yeah, it is. So uh, go get Gardner Minshew as well. And his wide receiver, Joshua Downs. That's it, Scotty. That's all I got. I do have one last question. 49ers Vikings tonight. Who you got winning? Oh, I got the Niners, bro. Um, I got to. think they're going to be the clear favorite. I don't know what the line is, but I'm sure it's probably Niners minus 10, something I'm like gonna that. I'm going to say, yeah, I think minus 10 is really good. I'm going to look this up real quick. Vegas line for 49ers game. I think minus 10 sounds really nice. We'll see. 
And it is minus six and a half. Six and a half, yeah. There's no way. Well, the thing is, is that Minnesota's offense is decent. Obviously, they don't have J-Jets. It just doesn't, it just, it seems like there is a, the best case scenario for Minnesota is that their defense gets some BS turnovers and maybe they get a couple calls their way and it goes down to the wire. But I think the worst case scenario for Minnesota, which is probably the most likely scenario, is San Francisco runs away with it. Yeah, I I, uh, I think they're going to. That's it. That's all the time we got, Scotty. So I, I appreciate you doing this with me. Everybody who is listening, go do the subscribes, the follows, go do all the stuff. And join us on Sundays. We're doing TikTok um, circles. Or, no. or not TikTok. Wait. I'm no. all over the place. I'm old. Twitter. We go live on Twitter and on Instagram now yes. to help you set your lineups. So make sure Actually, you in Actually, that is something. Yeah, we've been doing it on Twitter for a while, but we are on Instagram now Sunday mornings. So go check it out. Matthew Kahn, uh, another one of our team members, is doing it over there, and he did an excellent job last week. So I'm interested yeah. to see him do it again. And he's the expert on Jalen Hurts, which is, you know, you should listen to him because he's got a lot of expertise on Jalen Hurts. Okay. Don't say that. All right. Let's get out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.